0: Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 9. Last week we were in chapter 8, and so we are extending on the story as Jesus moves through his ministry. Let's share in God's good word together. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all they had done. He took them with him and withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out about it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away, so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions. For we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. neighbor. Do you like your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors? Do you know their names? Some of them. Are you doing better? Are you, are you learning some of their names this week? Some of you know one more neighbor than you knew last week. We're in our third week of this series, The Art of Neighboring. Andy picked it. And... Um, <laughs> And so I'm on the struggle bus. If you're struggling with this one, I'm struggling with this one, but I'm trying. I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm working at it. And, and here's the thing. If you are 50 years old or older like I am, you know this to be true. Everybody's weird <laughs> when you get to know them. And so it's easier just to kind of hold them at arm's length. Like, you seem pretty normal out there. I really don't know that I want you in here because that's where it gets weird. We're afraid, we get, we get afraid, well, what, what are neighbors going to be like if we get to know them? We're working off a book called Dave, uh, off of The Art of Neighboring. It's written by Dave Runyon and Jay Pathak. Um And they basically um, put the great commandment of Jesus down to this. And that is love God with everything you have and, say the last part with me, love your neighbor as yourself. This was mind-blowing when Jesus said this because everybody knew the first part. And they had heard of the second part, but they'd never put them together. So last week we asked this question, do I live at a pace that allows me to be interruptible? Do you, do you live at a pace that allows you to be interruptible uh, when your child comes and says, hey, let's go play basketball? Are you like, sure, that's great, no problem, let's go play. Um, or is that not the case? Are you running at a pace that allows you to, to stop and notice the things of God around you? So, uh, as, we're, as we're doing this, what, what, if, what if Jesus actually meant love your neighbor like love your neighbor, like your real neighbor? Because if we're not careful, this idea of the Good Samaritan story, which is important and good in its own way, it is. It's very important. But it also gives us the ability to kind of distance ourselves and say, well, of course we need to love everybody. We need to have policies and procedures that, that make sure that everybody's taken care of. Yes, of course that's true. But what if... We're actually supposed to love the people right next to us. I think that's what Jesus is saying. It's both and. It's not either or. It's, it's both and. We're supposed to really love our literal neighbor. So uh, the first step is finding out their names. What names can you fill in on your block chart? Uh, each week, um, we're giving you the bulletin so that you can fill them in. So if you haven't done that, we want you to do that. Hopefully, you have one more name this week than you did last week. Um, maybe you still have no names. Maybe We're going to do it again next week. And um, hopefully you'll write in a name of somebody on your block. Now, for those of you who just moved in, good for you. You might think, well, this is really hard for me. I just moved there. Try having lived in the same place for 10 years and still not knowing their name. That's awkward. That's me. Right? I'm really bad at this. So, get, you know, look at your deal and start to fill those in. If you don't know and you have kids, they can fill it in better than most of the adults can. They know the kids that live around them a lot better. Um, so... Um, this week, um, um, we want to move to the front yard. We want to, you know, those, those hedges and those fences have gotten bigger and bigger since World War II. You know, I'm told that, that back uh, before World War II, they, they, these houses, they had something that wrapped all the way around and They were called, what is, what is that that used to be on the front of a house? A porch. Do you know people actually had porches? They like sat out in front of their house. And when their neighbors walked by, they said, hi, neighbor. Some of them even knew their names. But as the world got scarier and scarier, hedges got taller and taller, front porches went away, and garage doors went up and down with precision. And the very things that were supposed to keep us safe and make us better also made us isolated and alone. Now, what Timothy says to the early church is this. The Spirit of God does not make us timid, no, but gives us, say them with me, Power love, and self-discipline. I only gave you one blank. You can pick any of those three. They all work. They're all good. God gives us power. God gives us love. God gives us self-discipline to live into the life that he has for us. And it's a much better life than we can even conceive or imagine for ourselves, says Ephesians 3, right? So last Sunday night, uh, after I preached uh, my, my first of these sermons, Andy did the first week, I did the second week. So last Sunday night, um, th- this was my afternoon. Run, hide, Clippers, Tim, and the Miracle of Jeff. So here's, here's the thing. Um, in the afternoon, uh, we have a little girl in our uh, church named Audra. Um, she is seven. She's going through, uh, she has leukemia. She's currently cancer-free, but she's going through chemo. Uh, and it's taken a number of months, but it was finally time for her hair to go. And so as a way to have solidarity around her and to love her and help her be brave enough to do this. um, And just because everybody loves her because she's one of the greatest kids I've ever met. So brave. So brave. Um, About 20 of us um, all shaved our heads so that she would have lots of love and support around her. It was a great day. The place was filled with people, many of whom had never even been to church, uh, that I could tell. Um, and kids just everywhere. It had popcorn and hot dogs and hair everywhere. It was great. It was great. And so having done this in the afternoon after church, um, Chantel was talking to Andy and Melissa who live uh, two doors down from us. I know it's cheating, but it is the case um, on this deal. And uh, they said, well, we want to see that bald mug of his. You know, let's bring him down. And so um, I went over to Andy Melissa's last Sunday night, and lo and behold, he's a great neighbor. He and Melissa have neighboring down. They, they've taken their slide; it's in their front yard. They had a little picnic table and those little tight kind of things. They were playing a card game in the front yard. People were walking by. It was a beautiful night, if you remember last Sunday night, just gorgeous. And I'm like, man, this is terrible. My associate is way better at this than I am. This is awful. So as I'm standing there talking, and and our son Noah, uh, who is 19, they started playing frisbee, and I was playing dinosaurs with Elijah, which is his little one, Um, and and Anna was still playing in her card game. It was great. And our in-between neighbor walks out down his driveway, and I'm like, aha, I'm going to get this. I'm like, hey, and I yelled out his name, and he looked at me, and he turned around ran straight in his garage and closed the garage door. (laughs) I'm like, this is not working he probably didn't recognize me for my hair. That's what I'm saying in my own mind. He, he ran away from me. I'm like, this neighboring things would be harder than I thought. And then down the street, I saw this couple. I'd never met them, but I'd kind of seen them come and go. And uh, they were talking in their front yard. And I thought, yes, is that the Lord? Is the Lord going to you know, help me redeem myself? I'm going to actually make a neighbor and learn a name. And right as I took a step towards the direction, he got in his car and drove off. I'm like, wow. But his wife, aha. She was clipping with their clippers in the front yard. She didn't notice me sneaking up on her. This is not a good plan. <laughs> you know, hedge trimmers. And so I, I, I come up to her and I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to meet my neighbors. I've lived here almost 10 years and I realize I don't, don't know everybody. And there's my wife uh, over there. Chantel waves. My son Noah, he waves. And Andy, Melissa, and Elijah, and Anna, and they're all waving. She's like, you're a pastor. And I was like, yep, I am. And that's my associate pastor, and Reverend Pong lives on the other side. And she's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. What time are your services? Never stops trimming, <laughs> never engages. Like 9:15, 10:45, Friday nights at 6:30. That's Andy's service. She's Like, great. I'm Jerry. Bye. And then that was. But I got a name. I got. That's not really how you're supposed to do it, I don't think. But I got a name. And then as I'm, I'm walking back over, uh, Tim Haddekin, who's a part of our church, i driving down, he lives two houses on down on the other way, and we just started, he was coming home um, after a trip, and we caught up, and it was so nice, and I was playing frisbee with my son. I was like, wow, this isn't terrible. This is really great. And we actually started talking about a, a family that lives across the street, and, and we had blanked on their name, and we thought, you know, oh, my gosh, we should really know these names. It's so embarrassing when you don't know someone's name when you used to know their name. And lo and behold, it was this guy's birthday and his wife put out in the front yard, happy birthday, Jeff. And we're like, yes, we remember his name. God is helping us out. I'm like, if you can't remember it, just pray. Maybe God will give you a sign in their front yard too. I don't know. But, but here's the problem, friends, right? Fear and isolation. Fear and isolation. This happens when we don't engage, when we let the fear get a hold of us. If you talk to people who lead homeless shelters, they'll tell you that almost every single person there is there because they became isolated from their friends and their families and their neighbors. And then they're just one bad decision away from being on the street. Because so they've got no one to turn to. No one to bring them in. Now, this is a real thing. It might save your life. Save someone else's life. And, and so confronting our fears around our neighbors can be hard and slow work. Like I said, I've been at this almost, almost 10 years in my own neighborhood. And, and here's the thing. I've admitted this to you already. Embarrassingly, I didn't know their names, but I had met them. I had met them. What's worse is I've met some of you. And I don't always remember your names. Not always. You think about the thousands of people that roll through here. I mean, I don't mean any disrespect or or mean spirit, but I'm a human. We're all human. Have you? Can you remember everybody? Anybody know every name of every person in our church? Oh no, of course not. Of course not. And children. Oh my gosh. Sometimes they change their names. They used to be one name. Now they go by another. Right? Many things happen. And so here, here's the thing. This happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. We just need to own this. And so this is, this is why I play. There's, a, there's a family on my block that walks their dogs every day. And I see them every day. I normally see them two or three times a day. Um, and we wave at them every time. I have no idea who they are. And so this is, when I see them next time, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Hey, we wave to each other all the time, but I don't know your name. I, I just don't know your name. Can you help me with that? And the, and the fact is, they don't know mine either. I've never given it to them. I mean, unless they have just heard it from somebody. I mean, they don't know me, I don't know them, but we wave to each other two, three times a day. And, and here, here's the challenge with this. The people you don't know by name are strangers. They are. And the first step in following the great commandment is moving from stranger to acquaintance. I mean, they're not even neighbors yet. And so if we want to actually live into what Jesus is asking us to do and telling us it's for our good and good for the world, we have to begin to move from stranger to acquaintance. And I'll I'll let you know how to do that. We're working on that. But also then from acquaintance to relationship. We actually develop a relationship with people that live around us. Friends, this used to happen naturally all the time before the modern era. Your life depended on it, right? Right? I mean, if you were a little tribal community and there were about 20 or 30 of you, you knew everybody's name because when the other tribe came to kill you, you needed to say, hey, Bob, come here. They're about to kill us, right? I mean, we used to do this naturally. We have to relearn it. Now, if you want to move from stranger to acquaintance, that's what this block chart is all about. For the people whose names you don't know, it helps you. Um, and you can take this and you can put it on your fridge. Or you can put it in your on your bathroom mirror. And you can be like, yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob. That's his name. Bob, that's his name. That's his name. And you start to know. Now, guaranteed, as soon as you fill out your chart, somebody's going to move. But stick with it anyway. Stick with it anyway. That's what your block chart's for. But then, if you actually want to move from acquaintance to relationship for you to be able to love your neighbor, what, what do you do? You have a block party. Yeah. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not talking about HOA gathering where 5 or 10% of the people show up and you have no idea from what part of the neighborhood they're in. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you going, knock on somebody's door and say, hey, um, we're having a party tomorrow night or a week or whatever that is, and we'd love for you to come over. We're going to cook burgers in the backyard um, or the front yard and come come over. You go to the house next to them. You do the same thing. You go to the other house on the other side, the other side. I don't care who they are. You don't have to know them well. It helps if you know their name. If you want to move from acquaintance to relationship, you actually have to spend time with people. Um, and, and a party is a great way to do that. And if you don't know this, Jesus is a big fan of parties. This is all through the scriptures. Um, the first miracle that Jesus does is he turns water into wine at the uh, wedding at Cana of Galilee. And, and the Bible has two stories about this, and they're both important. Um, and here's the thing I want you to know from a pastor. Um, as your pastor... And that's this, that it is impossible to program relationships. Will you say that with me? It is impossible to program relationships. Okay, That's something that only um, God does, and you do, and you choose, and other people choose. It's nothing we can make happen. You can't force relationships. It's just weird. So you'll notice that we never tell you, oh, you're in that group, or you're in that group, or you have to be in this. We don't do that here, because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. People really bow up to that. So what we can do is that we create space, it's what we do, for us to talk to people we already know and to meet people we don't. And Jesus knew the power of a party. So there's an entire story about a party uh, with Jesus. Uh, It's found in Luke. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. We're going to know him as Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. And he says to him, Jesus does, follow me. And he gets up, leaves everything, and follows him, this tax collector. Then Matthew, Levi, gave a great banquet for Jesus in his house. Can you imagine? As far as I know, in 20 years in ministry, there's no one who's joined the church and then thrown a party and brought me to it. Come on. This is a good model, right? Now, what we expect as religious people is we join the church and the church throws a party for us. Because now I'm a part of the party. No, that is backwards. I mean, look at the scripture. This is exactly backwards. The church has gotten this exactly wrong, 180 degrees wrong. When we come to faith, we're to throw parties for all of our unbelieving friends and invite other Christ followers into that mix. So Levi, Matthew, gives this great banquet for Jesus at his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting with him at the table. That's right, because that's who he was running with. Those were his friends. And the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying to Jesus, disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? These are terrible people. Your reputation is going to be poop. And Jesus answered. Now, if I was Jesus, this would be my first response. Oh, you're so right. I messed up. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Right? That's, that would be sort of the normal pastoral thing to say. Like, I, don't, I was just a lapse of judgment. It won't happen again. It's going to be fine. No. Jesus doubles down on this deal. He goes, ho, ho, hold on a minute. Those who are well have no need of a physician. What do you think I came to do here, friends? I am the Son of God. I'm here to heal the world. Those who are sick, that's who I've come to help. Not to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. These folks need help. So when we participate in block parties, friends, we are being like Jesus. Really? Really? Now... If you're 16 to 18, this is not for you. <laughs> but if you're, you know, 28, up, certainly by the time you get to my age, you can go to a party. I mean, seriously, if your entire moral compass is going to go off the rails, if you go to somebody else's party, you've got bigger problems. If you're an adult, right? But if you're little, of course, you've got to be careful with that, right? Right? But we are making it a priority to understand the people God has placed around us, regardless of what they believe or how they act. How else will the world come to know the love of Jesus? Right? And friends, let's make no mistake about this. The party that Matthew threw was not a Mountain Dew and pizza party. It wasn't. Because none of the Pharisees would say boo about that. This was, the, this was a party party. You know, the kind that other people talk bad about the people who go do. It was that kind of party. And Jesus says, I need to be there. And his representatives need to be there. We do. But when we do this, when we start to follow Jesus, we realize that we don't have what it takes. We just don't. I don't. You don't. We don't have what it takes. We don't have the time. We don't have the want to. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough everything. We don't have enough, you know, whatever it is that happens at parties. I wouldn't know. I don't get invited. <laughs> right? You need to invite me to some of your parties. Right? And, and, and that's okay. Because in the book of Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes to give us everything we need to guide us, to direct us, to lead us, to teach us. And if we look at the scripture, even a small boy can become a hero in a story with almost nothing. So the other story I want to share with you is this, that after Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, a large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Now last week, uh, we, we took a look that Jesus in Luke 8 was over here. Um, And this is where he found the naked wandering tomb dude, right? And he was interrupted. Then he came back over here and was interrupted again by Jairus wanting him to heal his daughter and by a woman with the flow of blood Um, and then and, and, and. Now Jesus has moved up to the north side up here to Bethsaida and he's about to feed 5,000 people, but they don't know how. So the scripture says this, Jesus goes up the mountain, he sits down there with his disciples, and the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near, so there's people all over the place coming in for that, and when he looked up, he sees this large crowd coming towards him, and Jesus says to Philip, and I love how he does this, kind of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, hey, Philip, where are we going to buy bread enough for 5,000 people to eat? Like, Jesus knows he's going to do something awesome, and Philip's like, ah, I got nothing, Jesus. So he says this to test him, right? I mean, he's not just... He's not just saying it. I mean, he really is testing him. And, and Philip answers. He's like, look, Jesus, are you kidding me? Six months wages, even a year's wages, would not have bought enough food, bread, for each of them even to get a tiny little bit, not even. It's not going to work. And so one of his disciples, Andrew, my favorite, the first to follow Jesus, he just kind of goes for it. This is Simon Peter's little brother. He says to him, well, Jesus, um, there's a boy here, and uh, he's got five pieces of bread, barley loaves, and, and how many fish? two fish and then he asked the question like the duh of the disciples what are they among so many people like this isn't going to work and Jesus says this let's not look at that have the people sit down they did about a thousand in all Five thousand. Five thousand people sitting down then Jesus takes the loaves and he gave thanks to God I love this he gives thanks in the middle of what looks like a mess and he distributes to those who were seated did the same thing with the fish as much as they wanted. Now, read this next line. Say it with me. When they were satisfied, wow. When they were satisfied, Jesus tells the disciples, oh, by the way, gather up the leftovers. The leftovers. So that nothing may be lost. Nothing with God is lost. So they gathered them up from the fragments of the, how many loaves? Five, and how many fish? By those who didn't, and how many baskets were left over? One for every disciple who was obedient. Twelve disciples, twelve baskets. See, the reality with God is that when we give from what we have, something sacred happens, something holy, something otherworldly happens when we do our part. And God uses the small things, these tiny little things that we bring to him, and he multiplies them into a miracle. That's what God does over and over and over and over again. And what God uses in a little boy blesses not just a little boy. I mean, that's the knock on the Western church, is we think if we do something good for God, he's going to bless us, which is true. But he blesses the boy and 5,000 people, right? And some some of the gospels actually say 5,000 men. And their wives and their children, which could have been 7, 10, 12, 15,000 people. So, what I want you to do? I want to invite you to throw a block party. I really do. Your pastor said it. You can quote me. Throw a block party for 6 to 12 people on your block. Really. Invite them. Now, I know for some of you, you're not open until spring break of next year. That's fine. Invite them then. Whenever that is. But get on your counter and invite them do it. A, a, you know, our church would be so much better if every family in the church threw a block party every year. Just once a year. Fourth of July is a great time for that. Just throw a block party. Get to know your neighbors. And, and friends, leave the results to God. I'm not asking you to convert them. I'm not even asking you to tell them about our church. Hopefully it'll come up because you got your sticker on your car or, or something, you know. And you invite them to Bible school. But just, just have a party. Now, some of you are like, no. I've never been to a party. I've never hosted a party. I'm not a party person. Right? I'm not doing it. Fine. Bake something. Right? Everybody likes a tasty treat. Highlight like the word tasty. And share it with a neighbor. And if you're not a baker, Chantel's a great baker. That's why I said bake. You could make. You could cook. You could do something. But just do something nice for your neighbor. It's wonderful. I, there are, I don't think I've ever met somebody who turned down a hot chocolate chip cookie. I'm, I'm sure they're out there somewhere. But it's, it's a beautiful thing. And another thing you can do is you can play or watch sports with others that you were going to do alone. right? And so I took a big step this fall. I normally watch Oklahoma State football by myself because I'm always afraid we're going to lose. And, and I'm not a very good fan in my own home. I'm like, ah, and I yell at the TV. It's kind of scary. And so I like, I don't want anybody to see me like that. But then I thought, well, we're playing somebody terrible. We probably won't lose this one. And so I invited two friends over to watch the game with me. And you know what? It wasn't terrible. We actually had a nice time. The game was partly over by halftime. Uh, we did really well. Uh, and we just like, hung out, chatted, talked, caught up, and I had a great time. You see, but I didn't have to add anything to my schedule. I was going to watch the game anyway, right? I just didn't do it alone. And I got to know some of my neighbors. It's good. And then finally... Um, Give what you have, whatever that is, just like the boy. And watch God make a miracle. Your time, your resources, your energy, your help, your love. Because when we do, something amazing happens. I want you to see just one example of what that might look like. Is in a stream. The ocean called for you and me still. Sleeping now. I waited there, but nothing came. So I, I close my eyes. Cause you reflect in everything. Here's the church. Here's the church. Here's the city. Here's the city. Open the doors. Open the door and see all the people. And see all the people. Please, stand The God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ. Fear not, little flock. The Lord is ready to do a miracle with you.